podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a lot of stuff that's happened. Uh, we have had football stuff happen. We have had basketball stuff happen. We have started our countdown, the 100-day countdown to the beginning of the Kansas football season over on Blue Wings Rising. Joining me uh, to talk about all of that and kind of everything that's happening in the world of Kansas athletics right now, it is Kyle Davis, editor uh, over the, the deputy editor over Blue Wings Rising. Join me. Kyle, how are you doing today? All right, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. So, um, obviously a lot has happened. It's been a little bit longer than I had planned before, you know, uh, for this actual episode. I thought I was going to get back to it a little bit sooner, but, but that's all right. Um, NBA draft announcements were finalized. You know, players made their decisions about what it was that they were going to go ahead and do. And I don't think that there was a lot of surprises for the Jayhawks. Um, obviously Christian Brown staying in the draft because he is, Right now, well, the last I saw, he's expected to either go end of the first round or beginning of the second round. Um, there's a lot of interest for Christian Brown. Jalen Wilson, I, I don't know that I was surprised. Um, I would not have been super surprised if he decided to stay in the draft as well, but he did elect to come back to Kansas. There are a lot of things that he could potentially work on with another year at KU. Um, I, I, you know, I tweeted it right after the fact that this is kind of the best of both worlds for, for Wilson, that he was able to kind of get out there, get his name out there, get a lot of teams intrigued about what he can do, and then come back and refine everything for next year. So that he's not trying to go on a two-way contract. And then, of course, the other big news, Kevin McCuller, the former Texas Tech guard, um, who announced his intention to transfer to Kansas if he pulled out of the draft, did decide to pull his name out of the draft and will be coming to Lawrence for next season. So Kyle, of those three decisions, which one surprised you the most or were they all kind of expected? I guess by default, Jalen did just because he was the biggest coin flip. I think like, I think after you following anything that you were hearing from the last couple of weeks of Christian, it sounded like he was getting a lot of good feedback in terms of being a late first round pick and, you know, probably got, you know, maybe a guarantee that he would fall in there. McCullough, I always thought was probably going to come to Kansas. I never saw him saying his name in. And Jalen was one of those where <clears throat> I didn't think he was probably, you know, I, I didn't think it was really a first round pick. He did perform well at the G League uh, camp. You know, if he would have maybe shot it as well at the NBA Combine as he did at the G League camp, who knows? Because I think that's one of his big areas of improvement uh, that he probably heard. But, you know, it's one of those things where maybe a couple years ago before the NIL uh, era began, maybe he takes a shot at a two-way contract. And it did sound like maybe he had some of those opportunities of a two-way deal, maybe late second round, something like that. But, um, yeah, I think it, it – I guess it would be him by default. But to your point, none of it was really that surprising. It all kind of played out like I think a lot of us maybe thought. Yeah, it it is kind of funny. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I think that NIL made a big difference here. That was part of the reason I thought that there was a, a decent shot that Brown could have come back as well. 
Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's difficult for a guy who is getting mocked at the end of the first round even uh, to really pass that up, especially since it's not a guarantee that he would come back and actually improve, right? Like, the things that he did well are things that you would think he'd be able to do again well next year, but it's not a guarantee that he'd be able to do them at the same level, that he wouldn't take that step back. So the ability to go ahead and take, you know, and, like, turn that into your full-time job to really kind of hone that craft there, you're going to be able to develop better in the NBA, even if it's in the G League, than you would be at Kansas. So if you're getting the opportunity to get picked in the first round, you don't pass that up. Um, you know, even if you can make a decent amount of money with NIL at Kansas, unless you're just like absolutely wanting to stay in college because you love the college experience and you're willing to put off the NBA for another year. Um, you know, that, that is his shot. Like I don't begrudge him at all. I would be really shocked if he had decided to go ahead and come back after he was being mocked where he was. That's always kind of been my rule of thumb is, you know, if you are, mocked in the first round, if you have a pretty good idea that you're going in the first round of the NBA draft, you don't come back to school unless you just absolutely want to come back to school. Um, you know, the the smart quote-unquote business decision is to go ahead and go. So I'm not surprised there at all. Wilson, like you said, like, I, I mean, I don't think it was a surprise at this point because, yes, he was able to make an impression at the G League camp, but the fact that he was going to the G League camp first before, you know, he was uh, he was invited to the to the draft combine, you know, kind of tells you how much ground he had to make up to be able to get into, you know, getting drafted. And with NIL, it's not like he's, you know, picking between making money trying to make it on a G League roster or coming back to Kansas with no money you know, or no, you know, legitimate money that, that he's not going to get in trouble for if they find out. You know, he's going to have an opportunity to be one of the better paid NIL players because I, I have a hard time imagining he's going to come back to school and not getting any new NIL deals out of it. So I fully expect him to be taken care of. And then, like you said, McCuller, I don't think anyone was surprised by McCuller pulling his name out of the draft. I hadn't really seen him mocked anywhere um, for the most part. Like, there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in him. Um, you know, like, from what I understand, there might have been some talk about a two-way contract, uh, you know, the ability to kind of latch on if other things didn't go. But it didn't sound like any of it was guaranteed. And, you know, we so if you have an opportunity to come and play at Kansas and that's something that you wanted to do for a while, McCuller, I don't blame him for taking that opportunity. I know that there's a lot of Texas Tech fan Like, the Texas Tech fan base is a little bit split on either hating him for the fact that he went to Kansas um, or just, you know, giving him the respect for the time that he gave to Texas Tech. I can understand both of those emotions. Um, I, I think, honestly, the, the mix of it I thought was about right. Like, it, it seemed fine to me. I understand that they're going to be really upset when he comes back to Texas Tech next year. Um, you know, like that's going to be a circle game, kind of like the Chris Beard one was this year against Texas. So I'll be interested to see, like that adds a little bit of extra spice to those games. So I'll be interested to see those games, but I don't know that I was surprised by any of it. Now, also in side note on that, the, the big 12 as a whole is going to be fun with revenge games because you have Tyrese Hunter going to Texas. You have, was it Trey Mitchell from Texas going to West Virginia? You obviously had McCuller going from Texas Tech to Kansas. Like, there's 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 going to be a lot of uh, torn fan bases that are going to be uh, not even multiple games on the on the schedule. I think for them that that they'll have mixed feelings about, which will be wildly entertaining for just casual Big Twelve fans. Yeah, I mean it. it- it definitely adds some extra emotion of those games. I don't know that any of those games that's going to be the storyline, but it's going to be a good, you know, C storyline. Like something that adds a little bit of extra spice, gives you another reason to really want to take, you know, stay tuned and, and be paying attention to those games. But all of those games are going to be great games anyway. Texas Tech playing Kansas is going to be great because I think both of those teams are going to be really good next year. Texas is going to be, I think, a good team. 
you know, they do have a good coach and beard there. Um, I'll be interested to see what Iowa State does, but they've got a lot of turnover on their roster. But, you know, what Otzelberger did in his first year is going to be interesting. Like, the Big 12, again, is going to be absolutely stacked. I'm having a hard time outside of maybe Kansas State. Um, well, I, I guess Kansas State's the obvious one of a team that's going to be down next year, most likely, because they have a brand new coach. They pretty much lost their entire roster as a, Paul, as a result of Bruce Weber leaving. Um, but other than that, like every, you can make an argument for every other team in the Big 12 next year being a really good team. And of course, Kansas is going to be one of the most loaded of them all. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting looking at what this roster is bringing back next year, because I know that was our big conversation going into the NBA draft, kind of like what it was looking like. Um, I think Wilson coming back and then McCuller transferring, you know, in like that fills the missing pieces. I think that we were looking at, like, I, I don't know. I think the, the biggest question mark we had was who was going to play the four. If Wilson didn't come back now that he's back, that spot is pretty much solidified. Like you're going to have rotation minutes that you're going to have to kind of figure out of who's going to play it when Wilson isn't on the floor. But I don't know that I'm that worried about it. No, the, the the interesting thing about this team, and when you talk about next year, there's kind of the, the, the two sides of the coin. One side of it is is that it is you, you cannot take away that you are still losing four key players who had a lot of experience that you're having to overcome, yeah. and you are supplementing with guys who are either you know counted freshmen or had had lesser roles, so you never know exactly how they're going to respond. The other thing is obviously with Wilson, like. I, I do want to taper the Ochai comparisons of like, oh, he can have his Ochai season because of just the fact that like that kind of downplays how great Ochai was and how rare it is to have a jump like that. So, but the good thing that I think why KU fans should be really excited by the news of the last 24 hours is because this, this team is probably more, uh, agile and, and, and flexible than other teams in the sense that you have multiple ball handling guards. So McCuller played point guard at Texas Tech. It's not his natural position, but if you need him as a secondary ball handler, you have it. He can guard positions one through four, probably maybe one through five. Wilson can, you know, play three through five or guard three through five if he really needs to. Uh, You know, the the front court's the kind of question mark, but the good thing is, is that Wilson brings that rebounding for a smaller four man. Uh, obviously you have like Harris and, and Pettiford in there to kind of run the point. You've got lots of wings with Grady Dick and MJ Rice coming in. And, and obviously, like we mentioned, McCuller and Wilson, if they can both improve their three point shot at all, you, you have a lot of interchangeable pieces to where I think you can really tailor, you know, even if you, you, you put in even Zach Clements at the five, or if you put Cam Martin and remember that he's coming off of his red shirt, who was, you know, like a 40% three point shooter, uh, at the division two level, like you have guys who could stretch the court all the way through. Like, I think spacing should look nice. I think the defensive end of the ball where McCuller won't wow you on offense, I don't think, but he will, I, you know, I think if you read some of the quotes from CJ Moore had a really great piece in the athletic in mid May after he said that he would come to Kansas, if he, if he left the draft where there was basically a, um, uh, a big 12 coach that anonymously said like, I'd rather him go to Gonzaga. The second he comes in there, he changes the game defensively and he's the smartest player and he gets everyone else to the line. Like now you're putting Harris, who is one of the best on ball defenders, the point guard spot with McCuller at the wing, maybe we'll, we'll make up a little bit for the front court. We might have some diff, you know, defensive things, but you have KJ Adams who can come in and play some defense if you need him to on some of those, maybe the three or the four or the five spot as a smaller player. So I think there's, there's going to be some 
tweaking and experimenting self's going to need, but I think there's also a lot of combinations that this team could have. So whereas maybe the, like, I don't know if it's going to be as good of a scoring team as last year. It might take a step up defensively. You're losing the experience that you had with those guys, like uh, with Ochai and, and Brown and David and even Remy, you know, in, in just terms of college experience. But what you do have is a lot of guys who can fit in a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Like if you have, you have Grady Dick, uh, Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCullough, who you can basically play two through four in any kind of combination, plus, you know, the, the kind of different assets that you can throw in at the five with other, you know, Cam Martin versus, uh, versus Zach Clements and then whoever else like, you know, coming in, um, Bobby, Bobby, uh, Pettiford and, and Harris at the guard and Joseph Yesifu, who is also going to be that, you know, two guard secondary ball handler. Like it does seem like now that we got another really solid, wing defender in McCuller. And obviously what Wilson can do, especially if he can get his jumper a little bit better, like there are no real gaps except maybe like a dominant five man, but also we've proven in this era of basketball that you can still survive without one of those. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's really the thing. Like this is reminding me a lot of exactly where we were last year, right? Where you have a guy, uh, obviously like your point about not expecting Jalen Wilson to have a, a season like Ochai did, um, you know, that's, that's well taken, but you're in a similar situation where a guy who could have gone in the NBA draft decided to come back to refine this game. I'm not saying he's going to have as great a season as Ochai did, but there's at least a potential there. Like we are in pretty much the exact same position where you have, you have all of your roles very clearly defined. You have guys at each of the additional spots. You have a huge addition in a transfer coming in for his final year in McCuller versus Remy Martin. Like there's a lot of expectations. You have a ton of different pieces. Like, there are so many guys that do things well that could push for time on the floor that I, I honestly have no idea how Bill Self is going to actually mix and match all of them. And this is exactly the same situation we were in last year. Like, that was our biggest question coming into the year was, how is he going to find enough minutes for everybody to put a team together to, you know, and have that team gel in such a way that they're going to be able to play well together? And they were able to do it. And a lot of that credit has to go to guys like Abaji and McCormick and, you know, those guys that were leading the team and setting that tone. So there's going to be a lot of questions. Are they going to be able to do a similar sort of thing this year? You know, are they going to have those guys that can kind of keep, like, keep the glue of the team together so that when players aren't getting the minutes that they want to be getting, but they are still playing a very important role for this team, that, that they're able to do that well? Um, it's really going to be interesting to kind of see how he pulls everything together because, like, you even, you know, we didn't even talk about Uday or, um, you know, or, uh, uh, or MJ Rice. Like, those are two guys, two talented freshmen that are coming in that are expected to be big contributors. I don't know how he slots all of them in. Like, I can go down the list and I can think of 10 different players that I think should have a prominent role in this team. And there's absolutely no way that you're going to have 10 players are getting significant minutes. There's just not enough room for them. Right. But it, but you're going to have a situation probably similar to last year where it, in any given night, it's going to be, we're going to have the like, oh, that was the KJ Adams game or, oh, that was the, uh, MJ Rice game, or that was the, the, you know, well, I think walk away a lot of Grady Dick games, but, you know, similar to, yeah, not only like, and I think it was interesting, and I can't remember who pointed it out, otherwise I would give him credit, but the fact that Bill Self, you know, even this year with Ochai being the guy, the way that Bill Self runs his offense, it's never even, you know, they had specific sets for Ochai, but it's not like everything ran through him. They were still like, it, right. a Bill Self offense is still a very much a, share the wealth, spread it out. Everyone's going to get their chances opportunity. Now, obviously you can't do that 12 deep, but I think we are going to be at the same, like it's not going to be the, you know, 2019, if 
even though Diedrich Lawson gets 24 and 10, there's no one else there to help him out. Like it's going to be a who's hot that night. Let's, let's ride them to a victory. Like, you know, it's going to be, we're going to have a Dewan Harris game. We're going to have a Yesifu game, whatever. And, and that's, I think you're right. Like that's what happened this year. And especially in the tournament when even if it doesn't go well for a half, like that's, that's where you're better off than having to rely on, saying, hey, Joe Wilson, you're now Ochai, and you have to carry the load all by yourself. Yeah, I mean, and, and and if you think about it, like, we had a Mitch Lightfoot game in the Big 12 tournament. We had a Jalen Coleman-Lands game in the non-conference. Like, we had a ton of different games where an individual player took over. And, and so, like, I think that's the best the best weapon that Bill Self has to get the guys to buy in is he can point to, hey, look, we had a very similar roster situation last year. Look at what happened where you can point to specific points in the season where each of these players played a significant role and everybody felt and, and you know, they got all of the recognition from the fans. Like every single one of them had a moment that you can point to that that was a championship moment for that particular player on this team. That if they did not have that player there, then they would not have gotten to where they needed to get to. So, um, you know, he has that that he can kind of point to, 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 you know, allow people to kind of see that, hey, look, it's going to be difficult because we have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. But this staff and Bill Self, that's kind of the underrated thing that I don't think he's gotten a lot of credit for over the years of finding players and putting them in the best situations to utilize them when they need to. Now, granted, they haven't always had all the pieces they need to be able to put big runs together. But when Bill Self has pieces and has the ability to mix and match and find good situations for them, he is one of the best in the game. He is one of the best the game has seen in a really, really long time. So... I fully expect him to be able to do that and to be able to get the guys to buy in. The real question literally is just going to be, you know, are they going to have the same kind of luck? Are they going to have the same kind of development? And are they going to get to a point where they can make another big run because everything just comes together? You know, there's, there's people that talk about, you have to be, I forget who it was specifically that said it, but you know, you, you hear, you hear variations of this all the time. In order to win a national title, you have to be a combination of good, healthy, and lucky. And you have to have all of that come together in some good combination. And so, you know, Kansas had that perfectly for them this last season. They have an opportunity now. They're going to be good enough to be able to have that next year. They have to stay healthy throughout the year, and they have to get lucky during the tournament. And we could be talking about a repeat. Yep. And then the question for them, just from a tactical standpoint, is can you can you shoot well enough? Because that is the one area where without um, – Abaji, Brown, and even, you know, Remy to an extent is that three point shot. That is where you're losing the most from, from even, I mean, you know, Coleman Lance is, is not going to be able to come back. Like there's, there's a lot of guys who can show flashes of it. And, you know, McCuller has been decent. I know it's kind of hard last year because he was battling ankle injuries. He was playing out of positions. Like it's almost like last year's kind of a wash in terms of trying to evaluate. And let's be honest, he was playing on a Texas tech offense, which is not known for good three point shooting. So. (laughs) Right. But like, you know, you got like, yeah. Yes. can shoot it, you know, like Clements and Martin from the bigs can shoot it. Wilson at times can shoot it well, but like who's going to be your consistent deep stretch? Cause that's the thing is that we, there's so many guys that we're talking about who can spread the floor. The spacing should be, Great. A lot of guys who can play two through four, three through five, but are you going to be able to make knock down enough outside shots to to keep that defense honest and stop sagging? That's probably the one question mark at this point. And I'm not. And I think the answer is probably going to come. I, but it's almost like you're right. Like who out of that roster? It could be a handful of different guys, and and who it is is kind of yet to be seen. But how well that can happen is probably going to be a lot of it, obviously, with the luck and the health about just kind of expectations for, you know, a repeat similar to, to just the run that 
happen this year. Yeah, and and that's really the thing. Like, I think all of the players that they have that could take up that mantle, we just don't know because we didn't get a chance to see them do it. They had so many pieces that are now gone that were doing that throughout this last season. So we just don't we, we just haven't really seen it in games consistently because they haven't really had an opportunity to do it. My understanding from things that Bill Self has said and from you know listening to some of the players kind of talk about this team is that the guys that were performing this year are were not the only guys on the team that were doing it in practice. So you know there is definitely a lot of hope there for guys that can step up and they, and that can do that. So we'll have to see how they all kind of bring it all together. But like I said, you know, it's very, very difficult to repeat as national champions. You have to be extremely lucky to be able to do it. But I feel like this Kansas team is in the absolute best position possible to be able to go ahead and do that next year. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that it's not a successful season if it doesn't happen. Obviously, it doesn't happen often. But I think this is still a roster that should be with them coming back top 10 in the preseason, you know, in the running for the the big 12 favorites along with, you know, like Baylor, Texas, depending on kind of what happens there. There's, there's like you mentioned, there's a couple, but like, you know, I think it's, it's not unreasonable to say second weekend, final four contender at this moment, top 10 preseason. Like that's, that's the way that this roster is built up. I think you can have those expectations reasonably or at least like talk in that manner without sounding crazy enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it's one of those things, it's great to be in this position. The other thing that would potentially be great, you know, especially if they were able to go ahead and do that, get back to back. I can't imagine how fantastic the gear from sponsoring on the podcast, Home Field Apparel would be if they were able to do nat- you know back to back national champions. But that, you know, you actually still can go out and get your gear from Home Field Apparel, national champions, Kansas Jayhawks. Um, you know, they have the absolute most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have great stuff. I have way too many shirts from Homefield Apparel from a whole bunch of different schools because I can tell you the Kansas designs are great, but so are a whole bunch of other designs they have over there. They have over 120 different schools right now. Uh, I can guarantee if you go over there, homefieldapparel.com, uh, you are going to find something that you love, even if it's not from the Jayhawks. There are, again, tons of different things that are absolutely fantastic. So head on over, homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOP12, and get 15% off your entire first order, your entire uh, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. So, again, head on over there. Find some great stuff. You know, we are heading into the summer months. You're going to want a lot of great shirts. Baseball season is still going on right now. You know, they are in the uh, they, they are in the postseason there. They have some great baseball shirts, including a Kansas baseball one as well. So, definitely head on over there. Use promo code CHOP12. Get 15% off your entire first order. All right, Kyle, I do want to go ahead and jump over. We have some uh, Olympic sports to talk about really quick with some quick updates uh, and then some some football stuff. But before we do that, I need to throw to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer-Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure. This is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. And we're back here with Kyle Davis, deputy editor over at, at Blue Wings Rising. We are talking about, or we just got done talking about the NBA draft decisions and how that affects Kansas basketball next year. Um, but look, there's a lot of other stuff that's been happening. Kansas men's golf uh, actually went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, where They had a blistering first two days. We're in position to potentially uh, be able to qualify for a match play. Unfortunately, they kind of faded down the stretch. But, um, you know, Kansas men's golf was the fifth 
team of the Big 12 that qualified, and for quite a while it looked like they were going to be able to be um, you know, one of the teams that moved on to match play. Uh, all four of the other teams that made it, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Texas Tech, did qualify for match play. Uh, I'm not actually up to date on all of those. I kind of didn't pay a ton of attention after Kansas got eliminated, but it was a great, you know, it was a great performance. Hillier was able to get a hole in one. That was like the, the, you know, one of the highlights of the tournament for the Jayhawks, but there was a lot of great performances by those guys. I'm excited to see what they can do next year. Um, you know, Kansas softball made it to the, the semifinals of the NISC postseason tournament. Um, you know, that's the, basically it's the NIT of college softball. Um, you know, they, they got eliminated by Baylor in the semifinals there, but the fact that they were able to make it after, you know, what, what was reasonably a disappointing season for them, not being able to really kind of consistently put anything together. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, they, we, we, we didn't get the ending of the season that we really wanted, but they were able to at least continue playing the postseason and put up some, some good performances there. And of course, I think the big news for Olympic sports is the fact that, that, uh, head coach Rich Price of the baseball team retired at the end of the season. Unfortunately, that means that Kansas did lose some players to transfers, including the uh, you know star shortstop um, Maui Ahuna, the the guy that we were all you know taking a look at, seeing what he was able to do. He was like the bright spot on the entire baseball, like the guy that you had to tune in to watch. I know I watched more games than I probably would have otherwise if they didn't have a player like that because what he was able to do was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, he he made a couple appearances on Sports Center Top Ten. Um, like there was just some great baseball being played by him. Unfortunate to see him go. I am interested to kind of see, you know, I'm hearing some rumors about some, some particular coaches that may be coming in for the Kansas job, but nobody that I can report at this point. So I'll be interested to see who actually comes in for that uh, position there and what they're able to do with this baseball program. Because, uh, you know, Coach Rich Price had a great run for Kansas, was, you know, coach for, for 20 plus years there. It was great to see what he's able to do. He did have a run in the NCAA tournament for a while. He had a Big 12 conference tournament win. Um, like actually winning the championship there. So they, they had definitely had some highlights, but the way that the program has been and kind of some of the natural disadvantages that a Kansas program does have, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's definitely time to get some fresh blood in there to really kind of get a spark in the program and see if we can get it back to, to some of the glory days that it had. So I am looking forward to all of that, but time to go ahead and take a look. Um, you know, obviously we are doing our hundred day countdown to Kansas football, Kansas football is going to be returning, um, you know, early, early in September. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what this team is going to be and what this team, you know, can potentially do. And, you know, you and I have both put out articles already kind of talking about the returning production, talking about you know, reasons to be optimistic, pe- pessimistic, you know, kind of recapping everything that kind of happened last year. Um, you know, as I was kind of going through and looking at spring practices and looking at all of the, the press conferences, the one thing that really kind of struck me, and, and I want to get your thoughts about this, um, you know, it, it feels like the way that Lance Leipold and his staff are approaching this is a lot different than what we saw from guys like Les Miles and from David Beatty. And, and I'll give you a few examples. Obviously, the first one is just the recognition of what's going on in the program, regardless of how bad things have been in the past. Les Miles... David Beatty, Charlie Weiss, all of them came out with this false confidence, right? Of this, this bravado of, Hey, we're going to get things fixed. We've got all of this stuff going our way. You know, we, it's not nearly as bad as you might think it is. Um, you know, it, it always kind of, it was great to hear. It was kind of reassuring to hear that they thought they knew how to fix it. But especially when you got to Les Miles, it, it really was like, 
well, what makes you any different than the last guys that were like super confident that it was going to be, you know, that, that it was just be fine when we got there, you know, coming out of spring, the, the spring preview, the, the thing that really kind of stuck with me was that Lance Leipold talked about, you know, cause, cause someone asked him coming out of there was, you know, what did you think of your team? How, how, how good of a practice did you think this was? And he was, he talked about, he's like, there are a lot of things that we saw here that we really liked, but you know, there is always room for improvement. There are always things that we need to be doing better. And we've identified, you know, and he listed off a few things. One of them specifically was the cornerback position. Like they needed to find a way to address that because it was still a big issue for them. The fact that they are acknowledging that in a time where, you know, these spring previews, these spring practices are meant to like, you know, be the whole sunshine pumping, like find ways to get the fan base behind what you're doing. It kind of shows the approach that they're taking, the you know the the work ethic they have to always be improving what's going on there, and I think that's a big difference. There, there's there's a few other things, but I, I do want to get started here with your thoughts. Um, I mean, like, are are you are you as encouraged by that? Even though it's not, you know, like you can almost see like a oh my gosh, he's still nitpicking. Like, there's still things that he's identifying that are uh, you know potentially big issues. Um, are, are you at least encouraged by the approach that they're taking to trying to improve the team? Yeah, I mean, like, I think if you, because of all of those previous coaches you mentioned and the real sought-after focus on winning the press conference, you become numb to any sort of, like, I think at some point I would just, you, you have to do it on the field, and that speaks a lot. And you could tell with some of those other coaches when as soon as you got onto the field and there's clock management issues and, and disorganization with flags and you're punting on fourth and one from the, your, you know, the opponent's 38 yard line, whatever else. Like, ultimately, it, it doesn't matter what you say in there. I do think from the start, Leipold has, you're right, had this like, it's going to take a while, but we've got a plan. Like, it actually seems like he has, you know, it, it, it also, is, it, there's a lot of, with history, you go from the Charlie Weiss brought in all transfers to try and get this success immediately, and then they all left. So then David Beatty's like, well, I'm a high school coach. We're going to go all, like, you know, freshmen, get them four years or whatever. And then the, the recruiting class has dwindled. It seems like Leipold is is maybe the most – It sounds this is going to sound weird, the real most realistic coach out of it, of just knowing what we need and that it's like – everything is not so black and white. We're great here. We're going to do this. Like there's a plan. He's, I I don't worry too much about the press conference and what he's saying, because it does seem like at least from the end of the year, he has a plan and he's been able to keep the the talent that has been in there. He's bringing in some high level transfers. It seems like it's a good mix of, of just the, the newcomers and whatnot. So yeah, I think there's obviously going to be areas. I think, you know, if we're talking about success this year is four or five wins is like amazing. You know, you're on the cusp of thinking about something goes our way. Maybe it's a bowl appearance, you know, the, 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 we're not talking about like the playoff or a new year's bowl or anything like that, but that's still amazing progress for this group. So there's going to be flaws to, to Lance's point. I would be concerned if he was like, yeah, no, we're great. We're going to be awesome. We'll see you in September because you don't go from a two and 10 team to, a, a, a nine and three team overnight and, and, and have all of those flaws fixed. So I think it, it does seem like there's just, there is a realistic, Hey, we know what we're doing and we're going to, you know, we might not have the most talent, but we're going to be the smartest out there and we're going to be confident and we're going to have a plan and it's going to take a while, but like we can see where it's working on here. Yes. We know we still need to address this. It just seems like there was, there's too much lip service in the past, there's too much of, of 
swinging the pendulum back from going, we went all in on this one. Now we're going to go all in over here. And so I guess if nothing else, it just seems like um, the lack, I don't even know if I have a word for like Leipold's necessarily style yet, but the lack of just the, the chaos of the off season of the, of the, um, you know, like ESPN plus show where it was all about less miles or the, you know, quotes coming out of the spring game or Charlie Weiss at the at big 12 media days, like the, the, the circus being gone for the most part, I feel like is maybe the thing that is oddly giving me the most uh, optimism. And just, again, it, it has to result in the field. And whereas I think I mentioned this in my article um, earlier this week is that Kansas would have that one game where usually against Texas, everything would come together. You'd win in overtime and then any sort of progress of two steps forward would be met with two steps that backward and a blowout against Oklahoma or whoever else the next week. And the thing that you saw was there was actual week to week growth and competence of, Hey, it didn't look like it was just a, a, a flash in the pan. It actually looked like this team learned, they adjusted, they made changes. You could see like, I think the offensive line was maybe the biggest change from the beginning of the year. If you look at the first couple of games and then trying to run the ball in September versus November, just some of these other areas, um, like you can actually see that yes, there's plenty to work on, but they're actually digesting information. And the, the, I think the optimism is this has happened already with Lance only being here for one whole full calendar year, almost because he got here so late last spring is that it, it clearly the team is, is resonating. What his, what he's preaching is, is, is sinking in. There's going to be gaps. We know that there are two and 10 team, but that there, it seems like everything is in the right direction. Yeah. Well, and, and that's really what it is. Like you look at because last year we kind of saw that, right? Where they were super competitive against Oklahoma and weren't able to steal the deal and then got blown out by Oklahoma State the next week. But then they came back and had a game against Texas and then were able to follow that up with two strong games. And and kind of to your point, I, I think the word that you were looking for is that when when Lance Leipold talks, you do not detect any guile in what he's saying. Like there is no trying to get one over, there's no trying to make himself feel better or make himself look better, anything like that. He is a very straight shooter about what he talks about. And and, and I think kind of what you said there, the you know, the whole win on the field, not in the press conference, like that is really his approach. In the past we've seen you know, coaches that will talk about this thing is getting fixed or this thing is something we're going to be working on. And then in the moves that you can see, you know, the guys that they're bringing in or the, you know, the, the reports that are coming out of practices about what they're focusing on, that sort of stuff doesn't match up with what they're telling people publicly. Um, you know, this is completely different. Lance Leipold and staff talked about how cornerback was a big position, you know, like the defensive secondary was a big area that they've identified that they need to work on. And then you go and look and they brought in a whole bunch of transfers. You know, they brought in, they focused on that in recruiting and finding ways and, and, you know, finding ways to develop those positions and to add to the talent that they have there. So, you know, it's been very straightforward. He's been very upfront about what it is. And, and like you said, he's shown the ability in the past to build these types of programs. And he has a very clear direction, a very clear plan for what he wants to do. And everything that he's done so far has, you know, tied in pretty well with that. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't pretend like he has all the answers at this point or that it's going to go perfectly or there's not going to be a, you know, big road bumps. But what we've seen here is a guy that knows how to build a program. We've seen him do it a few times. Um, you know, I talked about in, in the article about the pessimism, like, you know, there's no guarantee that this year is going to be better record wise or even like the same record wise. There's a good, a good chance if things don't break right for them against Duke, you know, and kind of the way everything goes that we could see a one in 11 team 
Um, you know, it, that's not out of the question, especially when you're trying to change the culture, you're trying to bring in your own systems and all of that stuff. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that this could potentially be a painful year, but that doesn't mean that the, that the, the program isn't moving forward. They aren't doing the things that they need to do. Yeah. So, I mean, that really kind of wraps up my thoughts though, about Leipold and what he has moving there. But I mean, in anything else that really kind of jumps out to you about the program, what you saw from spring practices, what you're expecting to see from them this summer before we get into football next year. I think, um, you know, I, 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 I am happy to see that uh, Lawrence Armstrong is, is sticking around because I think the one thing that was going to be helpful for Jalen Daniels is uh, consistency in his skill position players. And so having Devin Neal, Jared Casey, obviously uh, coming back with his great hands, Lawrence Armstrong, or Lawrence, Lawrence Arnold. Arnold. No, that's all right. That's all right. Did I, I was, Armstrong the first time? You sure did, but that's okay. Right, yeah, cool. Dorrance yeah. Armstrong, Lawrence Arnold. The names are close yeah. enough that I can understand. <laughs> yeah, Dorrance Armstrong, we're going to go all around the board. Um, so, yes, we the, the the fact that we are there's consistency there on the skill positions, especially for uh, Daniels, I think is going to be important and something that I'm excited about. And then I think the um, – if you're just looking for pure entertainment, I do think that the secondary, it's interesting you mentioned cornerback, but the combination of Kenny Logan and then these really talented but still fairly young cornerbacks and, and safeties of like um, uh, OJ and then uh, um, Bryant, like I think there's a lot of, there's going to be times where I think they're going to get burned a little bit, but they're also going to make some big plays and like it's going to be a fun group and, you know, Kenny Logan makes you know where he is on the field at all times. And so I am pretty excited to watch that group. And then there's enough seniority kind of in the front seven that I think the defense could make a jump this year. Now it's still the big 12. They're going to give up points and they're going to give up yards. But um, yeah, I think, I think it, it's kind of, like I said, we, we know the spots here. And, and I think the, the big thing, at least with, with Lance and the thing that kind of trusts is in the difference maybe from past uh, predecessors is just the fact that it seems like he controls the room, but he doesn't want it to be all about him, which is kind of the, the, the two areas where you've either had like very egotistical coaches or ones who maybe weren't ready for that. And it seems like he's very much like he knows that he commands that room and this team and whatnot, but he, it's not about him and he's not trying to make it about him. And so I think that kind of workman like mentality of like kind of the, you know, Buffalo blue collar is, is getting to this group. And I don't think that is a bad place for them to be coming into this year. Yeah. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind too is, you know, I mean, you have transfers to that position and Marvin Grant coming from Purdue, Jarrett Paul coming from, you know, Eastern Michigan before he was at Rutgers, um, like you have Kalen, you know, I, I, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but Kalen Gervin, uh, you know, from Michigan State. Like these are these are players, you know, you can even throw in like Craig Young, who is listed as a linebacker on the roster, but, you know, has, has spent time at safety as well. So like they have a, a good crop of transfer players that can come in and they have enough pieces now where they can kind of really shift players around as they need to and kind of fill in what they need to do. Um, you know, play extra linebackers or, you know, play extra defensive backs if they need to, to, to really take advantage of scheme, you know, ways of trying to, to deal with the issues that they have. So they have a lot of possibilities. They have a lot of guys now that they can really kind of cycle through to figure out who are the ones that are going to make the most impact on the field. Um, and that's really what you're just hoping for, right? That's usually the biggest problem that Kansas has is that they don't have a lot of options. 
you know, that they, they get pigeonholed into using guys. I believe, you know, it was two years ago where, you know, they were, they were on their like seventh string cornerback because of injury. So like the fact that they have a bunch of guys that have played at high levels, even if they're not like starters, but you know, they have guys that have actually contributed on these other teams that are, that have been decent teams gives you hope that, that Leipold and staff can kind of put together. Brian Borland has, has quite a job ahead of him trying to put these guys together to be a competent defense, to be able to improve on the defensive effort that they had. But this was a team that was getting better last year, especially defensively. And so I'll be excited to see what they're able to do with a full off season, really installing what they want to do and not trying to just take the pieces that they had and kind of fashion it together in a makeshift you know, manner. So I will be interested to kind of see what's going on there. But uh, I think that's about going to do it for us. Any final thoughts before we get out here for the night, Kyle? No, I would say it's 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 been a, another good week uh, to be a Jayhawk, and there's a lot to look forward to over the course of the, the summer and into the fall, a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, I always talk myself into being optimistic about the football team going into the summer and into the fall. This is a the first year, and kind of as I talked about in the Optimism article, this is the first year where I don't feel like I'm faking it in any fashion, right? Like, sure, things could go wrong. There, are, there could be reasons why this is not a great year for the Jayhawks, but I don't have to stretch, right, to try to find ways that this can go really well for the Jayhawks. And that's a, a huge welcome change for me this year, and I'm sure for most fans that are listening to this right now. Right. We might need to start a support group that it's like, it's a, like, you know, I feel like I'm going to get burned. I know I've been. Oh, I know. I know. I'm it's... back. I, I'm ready to love again. Am I going to get hurt? Probably. But I, I just, you know, one of these times it's going to work and, and the love will be reciprocated and we'll have a good fall. And, and no matter past results be damned, like that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking coming into the year. This yeah. It's, time. it's kind of like, um, you know, some of the people that I know that do, uh, you know, uh, uh, NCAA tournament brackets and every single year they pick Kansas because they're like one of these years Kansas has to win like yeah it feels like it's that way a lot of times with football I, I will say I'm not you know writing the optimism article writing some of the things that were coming out of here normally you know I know that Mike uh, over at Rock Talk Talk when he when he was doing those always talked about how you had to like stretch and squint and try to like you know find ways to shoehorn in our, our you know arguments of why it's going to be as great as it could be um, you know, or there was the one year where we kind of talked about, like, he, he did the series of, you know, how Kansas is going to go undefeated, <laughs> you know, this year and win the college football playoff or something like that. Like, you had to do those things almost to cope for how bad you knew it was going to be. Um, I don't know that I'm as convinced this year that it's going to, that the bottom's going to fall out like I have been in years past. So, um, definitely excited about that. I'm sure all of you fans should be also excited about that, but that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts. We're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. If for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalk.com podcast at gmail.com 
or on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. We are part of the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show. We are also part of the 1012 Podcast Network, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. There's 10 different podcasts. are doing a great job covering all the teams. Best way to know about how the Jayhawks are to be affected by the conference is by getting familiar with all the conference teams. So head on over on Twitter at TEN12Network to get links to all the great shows we have over there. But that's going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two bears. Okay, uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap, um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well, at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Podcast Network.